Having everything that you need. And where does it come from? Does it come from your victories? No. Does it come from the things that go good? No. It comes from the trials that produces patience and patience causes prosperity. Doesn't that change the teaching moments of our lives? Doesn't that change the details now? Say, God, in my mistakes, will you do a glorious work? We all want people to love us, but Jesus said woe to the person who everyone speaks well of. That's because pleasing everyone can be at the expense of making God happy. Keeping everyone happy involves compromising yourself, which can be a terrible snare in the battle for your heart. Today, Pastor Daniel explains how Paul speaks the truth to believers who are straying from God because the goal is to draw nearer to the Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Jesus, Greater Than People Pleasing. And it was all fun and games until I was like, listen, we need to take about three quarters of that back. I'm like, if you feel too ashamed, I'll do it. Can't afford it. So much for enjoying the bride of my youth. But I use it as an example because in the midst of all that kind of stuff, and your life looks like that, my life looks like that, everyone's life looks like that, we need to learn how to become worshipers like the Apostle Paul. And really, Paul is forgiven and a worshiper, and you, my friends, have been forgiven and should be worshipers if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Sure, the Apostle part, church planter and pastor, that's unique to Paul and certain people. But to get back to our initial point, You need to be who Jesus created you to be, not who you want to be. Paul didn't want to be these things. God made him to be these things, and the Apostle Paul finally said yes to it. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. You should have this verse memorized. Great verse. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in him. Now, For we are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek is the Greek word poema, which we get our word poem for. So the idea is is that for we, each one of us, we are God's work of art. Now, I realize if you study art history, if you enjoy the creative side of humanity, you realize that there's all sorts of styles of art. And each one of us is a unique masterpiece. Some of us, like me and others, we're a little bit more abstract and avant-garde, maybe not universally appreciated, but we are his work of art. Some of us are more like a, a Rembrandt, right? A more classical style. See, each one of us uniquely is God's work of art created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's, what it, that's the second phrase. So whatever the style of art God created you to be, you were created in Jesus, so you be who we're supposed to be in Christ, 
for good works. See, there's certain good works that God wants to spring out of the piece of art that you are. And each one of our good works is specific given God's purposes and plans for our lives. So maybe for me or Pastor Bill or others, we're called to preach the word. That's one set of good works. Not the only, not the best. The best set of good works is being who Jesus created you to be and letting the good works well up within your life, given the masterpiece that you are. But not only that, and this is where being who Jesus created you to be is so important. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, and then the end of Ephesians 2.10, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see how that's the watershed now? Because what this means is before a little spermie and a little egg came together, <laughs> I did say spermie in church. <laughs> Parents, sorry. But that's why we have kids' church. You can have the birds and the bees talk when you get home. Before, however it happened, that spermie and egg, that you came together and you landed here, God already prepared works for you to do. That is why it can't be about what you want for your life. It has to be about who did Jesus make me to be and how do I walk in that? Because before you were even you, God prepared works for you to do. God preordained the things he wants to do through your life. So my friends, we need to say, God, why and how and what have you created me for? But I'm here to tell you, don't do it if you want your life to stay normal the way it is. Experience it right now. Because when you come to the Lord and say, God, who did you create me to be? How do you want to use my life? What do you have for my life? What you will find is that God will do extraordinary things. We don't realize who we are in Jesus until we are humble enough to ask the question. Don't assume you understand who Jesus made you to be. What if God wants to completely change everything about you? What if the things that you're doing is the things that you want to do, but God is like, no, I've created you for something totally different. When we get our hearts oriented on Jesus is greater than everything, we have to ask those questions. We need to be who Jesus created us to be. We learn all these things about the Apostle Paul. Now look what happens in verse 6. It says, I marvel that you are turning away, back in Galatians 1, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, if you read all of Paul's letters, what you find is in almost all of his letters, after the introduction, there is a time of praise where he praises the church. So if you read Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It was Paul's norm to do the introduction and then praise the church. But you know what he does in Galatia? He doesn't do it. He skips right over the, hey, I'm really proud of you guys. And he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. See, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Apostle Paul doesn't take any time to say, hey, you guys are doing great. He gets right at the heart of the issue because it was important. Now, before we unpack that, let me teach you a principle that I think is going to be really, really important. 
Don't miss the teaching moment. Don't miss the teaching moment. The churches of Galatia were making mistakes. And those mistakes led a pastor's heart to write a letter to them that they would be challenged and changed. And now, some 2,000 years later, you and I are studying the same letter. See, I've learned that the failures, the hurts, and the mistakes are much greater teachers than the victories. And for many of us, we want to push away the teaching moment rather than embrace it. Say, God, what are you teaching me? See, our culture says you should never make a mistake. So if you lie, then what do you do? You lie so that no one knows that you're lying. You compound it, you compound it, you compound it, you compound it, and then you're there. But the gospel says that you make mistakes, so you should just own that stuff and embrace the lessons that God wants to teach you. But most of us don't want to be taught. We just want to self-justify. We need to embrace the teaching moments. Don't miss the teaching moments. Don't miss the fact that sin has consequences, that character is more important than charisma, that you need to live your life hard and for Jesus because it will be over much quicker than any of us realize. Don't miss the opportunities. Don't miss the opportunities to embrace the pain and the hardship and the hurt and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What matters and what does not? What is important and what is not? And one of the things that we learn from the tragic loss of Isaiah is that a stupid decision could end it all. When I look at Isaiah, I would see myself. I remember I was the same guy as Isaiah. I was struggling with different things. I was really, people were like, man, you are gifted. God's going to use you. And it, it, and it was like, praise God, I have enough people around me. And I made a number of decisions that I didn't make. Praise God. Don't screw around. Please, don't screw around anymore. Get right with Jesus. One decision could end it all on this side of eternity. Is it worth it? It's not worth it. But we need to embrace the teaching moment. We need to say, God, okay, God, show me what you want to show me. And the church in Galatia, their issues has now been a teaching moment for generations in the church. See, they were in error, and the apostle Paul confronted the error. Now, notice what he says. And this error is an error that many of us still make. We still struggle with the Galatian error. Look at what it says. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. See, the church in Galatia struggled with something that we call today legalism. See, the apostle Paul came and said, look, all you need to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's it. If you believe in Jesus, that's the good news. And then after Paul came through, a group of guys who they called the Judaizers, they would come and say, look, the Apostle Paul, he's just trying to make everybody happy. Really, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the Mosaic law. See, their error is that Je it wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus plus a set of rules. And all you have to do is look around the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. And what do you find? 
all sorts of legalism. All sorts of legalism. You need to believe in Jesus and you need to vote according to this specific party line. You need to believe in Jesus and you need to do this. You need to be, believe in Jesus and be at church every Sunday. Not that it's bad to get together, but you know what I mean. There's all these different ones. You have to worship on this special day and this special way. And God forbid you use drums because the drums are the devil's instrument. All this stuff. And listen, don't miss the fact that we struggle with legalism here at Crossroads too. And we're working on it. It's the human condition to not be willing to accept just rogue, profound, extravagant grace. We always need to set some rules on it. See, the church in Galatia was leaving a person for religion. That's what it says. Look at verse 6. You're leaving him who called you for a different gospel. See, for many of us, we think, oh, Christianity is a religion. There's a difference between following Jesus and being religious. Being religious says that, God, I do all these things. I am obedient to you in the ways that I understand, and then you'll accept me. Right? I obey, and you accept me. That's religion. But the gospel of Jesus says, I am accepted by God because of grace. And therefore, I live in response and gratitude to that, and my life becomes obedient, not because I have to, but because I'm responding to the flawless, extravagant, majestic love of God. See, if you, listen, there's a, okay. For many of us, We don't realize that our practice of Christianity is just good old-fashioned religion. And we're really no different than folks who are Jewish, folks who are Muslim, folks who are Buddhist, folks who are atheistic, folks who are New Agers. Because what we're saying is that in order to be right, I need to either subscribe to these doctrines or I need to live a certain way. And because of that, I am in God's good graces. That's religion. And that's what the Galatians were struggling with. All those churches they were struggling with, it's Jesus plus something else. And Paul's like, no, no, no. There is no other good news except for the fact that it's just Jesus. And you and I have to be careful because works righteousness happens so easily, doesn't it? All of a sudden you're like, oh, I messed up. God doesn't love me. Wrong. God loves you because God is love, not because you're lovable. See, the Apostle Paul says that they're moving from a person to a false idea. It's a different gospel. It's, not another, it's an illegitimate set of teachings. Notice, they move from God's grace and peace to there are those who trouble you. They move from grace and peace to trouble. Notice, they move from the clear, melodic song of grace to distortion and perversion. Because there are some who want to pervert the gospel. And my friends, if you don't hear anything else, listen. Let your following of Jesus be simply about Jesus. There's a million teachers who want to get you all convoluted and all this stuff. And before you know it, you're talking in language that nobody understands. Jesus wouldn't understand it either. You're more spiritual than Jesus. And you're all bound up inside. 
Keep it on Jesus. The simple gospel is the gospel. But listen, don't miss the teaching opportunity. Don't miss it. Your struggles, your trials, the issues of your life, just like for the church in Galatia, are meant to grow you up. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. My brethren, James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I remember the first time I read this, and if you just heard what I said, you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, so count it all joys when I fall into issues? Uh, yeah, no. It's a kind of a crazy phrase. That you shouldn't just be joyful, you should count it all joys when you fall into struggles. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Long-suffering trust in the goodness of God. So when your faith is tested through trials and hardships and issues and pain, that produces patience. And then this long-suffering, patient trust in God's justice and his goodness and his righteousness and his love, that now has its perfect work that we might become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing means prosperity. Not materially, but having everything that you need. And where does it come from? Does it come from your victories? No. Does it come from the things that go good? No. It comes from the trials that produces patience, and patience causes prosperity. Doesn't that change the teaching moments of our lives? Doesn't that change the details now? Say, God, in my mistakes, will you do a glorious work? Bear the fruit that you want to bear in my life. Complete me. Perfect me. Prosper me. And then from there, look at what Paul says. Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, in verse 8, throws down the proverbial gauntlet. He says, look, He's talking about how the Galatians have been subverted from just Jesus to a perverted gospel, another gospel. And then he says, but if we, he says, if we, me and my crew, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than what you have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, that's the Greek word anathema, which literally means let them be eternally condemned. And if that's not bad enough, the Apostle Paul throws the gauntlet down. He picks it up again. And what does he do? He throws it down again. He says it again. He says, look, if anybody in verse 9, we said it before, I say it again. If anyone preaches to you any other gospel than what you have received, let him be eternally separated from God, accursed anathema. That's amazing, isn't it? He's saying, look, if we do it, if an angel does it, Followers of Joseph Smith need to read that. Another gospel, 
a distorted gospel, a perverted gospel. Let them be eternally separated. See, what Paul is saying is that the gospel is so important that it should not be perverted or distorted. It is so pure, it should not be mixed with any form of legalism. Now, I want to say something real quick. These verses do not give you and I the license to be angry at people. Because I know some of you, you're mean-spirited. You want to, oh, look at Paul, yeah. <sighs> Paul was inspired. You, my friend, and me, no, not so much. Listen, Jesus said that we should love our enemies, and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So don't think that Paul gives you an excuse to be a grump. God wants you to love your Muslim neighbor and your New Age neighbor and your atheistic neighbor and your drug-addicted neighbor. He wants you to love them. He doesn't want you to hate them. He doesn't want you to be angry. God wants you to love the person who votes on the other side of the aisle. Because the gospel says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's just a matter of when we understand God's forgiveness. So Paul throws down the gauntlet. And listen, then he says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, prioritize who you please. Prioritize who you please. See, they accused the apostle Paul of being a people pleaser. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to be a people pleaser, you don't say that people who preach a different gospel are deserving of eternal condemnation. That is not the way to make everybody like you. But you and I, we need to prioritize who we please. Now listen, we all struggle with this, don't we? Because for most of us, we want people to love us, right? But Jesus actually said, woe to you when all people speak well of you. You know what the problem with trying to please people is? First, if you try and please one person, you're probably not pleasing another person because people are not homogenized in their views. So A, it's impossible to please people. And two, if you please people, you'll get the best that people has to offer. But if you prioritize pleasing God over pleasing people, you will get the best that the eternal God has to offer. And for many of us, for many of us, we make the mistake of seeking to make other people happy at the expense of making God happy. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, there is not a quicker way to short-circuit God's purposes in your life than seeking to please temporary relationships at the expense of relationship with the eternal God. Listen to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. That word snare, it's old school for a trap, for something that catches you. When you fear people, it catches you, but those who trust in the Lord will be safe. Jesus is Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Jesus is Real Radio. We're so blessed by what God is doing through Jesus is Real Radio. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us. For anyone who wants to help 
further the gospel here on Jesus is Real Radio. With a gift of $20 or more, we will send you a personalized copy of Pastor Daniel's book, Honestly. I'll be back in a moment to tell you how you can receive your personalized copy. But first, here's Pastor Daniel with more about this special book offer. Thanks, Josh. Honestly is a book I wrote to help people deal with the messiness of life. I mean, we all know it. Life throws us curveballs all the time. We never know what's coming next. But honestly comes from what I've discovered out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, how you can manage your life through the lens of your relationship with Jesus. It's some powerful stuff, and I've been blessed as many people have told me how the book has helped them on their spiritual journey. I'm confident that honestly will be a blessing to you as you walk with Jesus, and I'll be personalizing each and every copy for the Jesus is Real radio listeners who partner with us this month. Here's Josh with some more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive your very own personalized copy of Honestly, simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Then you can securely make your donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping. Remember, by partnering with us this month with your gift, You'll not only receive this great resource, you'll also be enabling Jesus is Real Radio to be heard on this station and many more. That's all the time we have for today. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 